Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of the Across the Cowboys podcast. This podcast is part of the Across the Board Sports podcast family. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to my regular listeners, welcome back. With me, as always, is my co-host, the saddest co-host in the world, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you? If you're new to the show, why today? Why now did you decide, like, <laughs> on this, I don't even want to be here. What the hell are you doing here today? No, it's going to be a I, tough discussion tonight, Mike. I know. It's rough. It's rougher for me because, as you know, I drank the Kool-Aid. I honestly, I didn't buy into that the Niners were a, a better matchup, as as you did correctly. Uh, I, I thought we were going to beat them pretty handily. I, I thought we were the better team, and we got we weren't even as close as the score showed. We got punked in that game. Uh, they beat us like I thought we were going to beat them. Um, and, and I'm bummed about it. You know, it, it, it stinks, especially when you, when you're a person who kind of stays middle, I don't go too crazy. And I was just like, no, I think we got this game. I don't, I don't think they got it. They got Jimmy G. We got Dak. I think we're not a team that's going to get run over. Boy, was I wrong on that one. They ran all over us. And I just, I thought we were going to be better. And I was dead ass wrong. My goodness. I was Michael Parsons in the draft wrong. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike, you know, well, we're going to get into it, but I just I knew that the weapons that they had were, were, had the ability to give us problems, we, and we saw that. And plus, just the coaching difference, man. I mean, I, you know, that coach combined with, with the weapons that he has and seeing that how they started playing at, towards the end of the year, man. I mean, I know that a lot of people don't like Jimmy G and for good reason, but he, you know, he showed us that he can do just enough to, to, to win them a game. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. They they had a a couple of like third and ten, third and nine, third and eleven that they had to pick up, and Jimmy G made those throws, and uh, it just seemed obviously the offense was the by far the the bigger problem, but it just seemed like like Kyle Shanahan and them got us defensively too, especially early. They just they they worked us down the field, and and we just couldn't do anything about it. Well, Mike, I imagine that your your timeline was pretty busy yesterday. Can you let the people know where they can find you on Twitter? No, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want y'all. Leave me alone. It's at CD Piglet, guys. Join, make fun of me, yell at me for missing on Parsons, yell at me for drinking the Kool Aid, and then get ready for draft stuff because that's what's coming now. Guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan fifteen. Well, you know, guys, of course you uh, you. To those who listen to the show regularly, you know what's next. But for our new listeners, this is the segment we've been doing for a while. It's called Meatless Monday. This is uh, where Mike, every Monday, he does he decides not to eat meat like a crazy person. And we got to discuss that before we discuss any football. So, Mike, what was on the Meatless Monday, Meatless Monday menu today? Today was um, a mushroom and quinoa omelet, which I broke flipping it. I was so ashamed. I didn't even post it on Instagram. I was like... I was mad. I was like, this is the Cowboys playoff game of omelets. I tried to, I flip it all the time. I have my, my thing and it just, it, it broke like split right in half. I guess I filled it too much, uh, for, uh, for, you know, the three eggs. So I messed that up. And then for lunch, I had a cauliflower kale and mushroom soup right now. I'm on a reset. I only have two days left on it. It's a 10 day reset where I can't have the sugar and the flour and the yada, yada, you know, if you're new to the show, it's a reset where I basically can't eat food. 
And so uh, the the food that I do get is very good. They're almost they're all uh, Chef Simon recipes that I'll put my own little flip on, change up. Uh, but the food's amazing. But not being able to have a coffee or a soda or you know just a slice of pizza when everybody was eating pizza for you know playoff football is it's not fun. I hate it. You know, credit to you for remaining strong even after a game like yesterday. It was, it's been not fun. It was, it has not been a fun friggin' since the Cowboys' first friggin' drive. It has not been fun since Niners' first drive. It has not been fun since that minute. In regards to the omelet, are you the, are you like the one that, are, are you the type that likes to fold it or do you just like to have it whole and like let it cook all through almost like it looks like a scramble, but you know, it's, it's uh, all in one piece and not like, you know, kind of mixed up. I roll it. So what that means mm, is it's like okay. a frittata and then you yeah. flip it in on itself over and over. And once it gets to an end, you kind of leave it for a second and you turn it on itself and then you get that, you know, it's folded over and it cooks all the way through right on the plate. Well, after I rolled it, uh, my, my nonstick has been used, uh, unfortunately, by people that don't know how to treat it. It was a really nice all clad. So there's an area that has obviously the nonstick's been eaten off and it sticks. And a lot of times I can maneuver it where it doesn't break through, you know, on that part. But on this one, I went to uh, to flip the omelet like a jack and it, and it didn't work out. It, it stuck too much on the flip and then it broke. It's crazy how difficult it can be to cook eggs, dude. Oh, dude, that's why a lot of uh, a lot of restaurants, like higher up restaurants, the first thing they have their their cooks do is cook an omelet. So you cook me the perfect omelet, and then I'll see if I want to hire you here. That's a that is a big thing at at like fine dining restaurants. You know, because I eat eggs like every single day, and I've been eating eggs every single day for probably the last three years. And I, I think I might have cooked them perfectly maybe five times. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's amazing when you find out you always cook scrambled eggs. As home cooks, we cook scrambled eggs one way. And then we find out when we go to when we do a culinary school or you watch enough shows, you realize that like you're super overcooking your scrambled eggs and you're cooking at too high of a heat. And like they're supposed to be like like kind of curled and super soft. Like they, they almost looked not quite done. And uh, yeah. And it, it blows my mind. Cause it, it doesn't, you know, look as appetizing at first. And now that I do it more, I'm like, Oh, okay. I see why I, I get the texture and everything like that. But uh, I'm, I, I like sunny side up over easy eggs myself. Exactly. Yeah. Cause my father-in-law, he, he like he prefers a soft scramble. So I've been, uh, you know, practicing on those. And I can actually make pretty good scrambled eggs. But, man, over easy, sunny side up. I don't need sunny side up as much as I used to just because they, you know, sometimes they don't look all the way done and that grosses me out. But even when I try to flip for over over easy, I, I break them. Let me see. Let's see if you can see this. Can you see that? Oh, Dude, that's beautiful, man. That's my sunny side up eggs. That was from a couple days ago. It's over uh, crispy cauliflower rice, part of the reset. Dude. Cook some eggs. That's picture. Those are picture perfect eggs. Not bad, right? Yeah. Thank you. All right, Michael. Well, you know, let's get into it. Just right from the jump, I mean, what were your thoughts on Dallas deferring after winning the coin toss? I am a defer always type of guy. That that's, I want the ball after half so I can try to do the 
score before half and then get the ball after half. And it almost worked out well for Dallas because they they had a chance to score before half down, I think it was 16-7 at the time, had a chance mm-hmm. to score before half, get the ball back. Even if it was a field goal before half, it's 10-16. to 16. You score a touchdown, you're up one. So I, I just like that strategy. So personally, I'm I'm always defer guy. But if they would have took the ball, I you know I wouldn't have. I I, I could see why you're trying to avoid uh, Kyle Shanahan's script, you know. But eventually, you're going to get a script, and if you come out and do what you did on our opening drive, where we went what three and out and did nothing, then you look terrible because they get the ball after half and you didn't do anything. So. I, I just always defer. That would be my what I do every time, basically. Now, Mike, I think it was actually a cowardly move. I feel like in the playoffs at home, you want to set the tone and put the pressure on the opponent. I just – I didn't like that move. It seemed like they were preparing to be down, and, you know, by getting the ball back at half, they could make an, a, an attempt to to come back or score points, you know, if they were down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, and the way they got run through on that, first drive man that was that made it even worse do you think you know this isn't on the show sheet here i'm curious how much does a brent urban make a difference in that game do you think he would have he would have made a difference but uh, i honestly going in i thought our 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 front was gonna do a better job i i expected the 49ers to get between 100 and 120 yards but not the way they dominated the first half. Now the second half, they they had a lead. They went a little conservative and everything, and our defense played better and uh, caused Jimmy G to make some mistakes. But that that first man, they just they they took it to us, especially those first four drives. They just put it on us. We we gave up one drive that was twelve plays in like eight minutes, and then they I believe that's the one where they didn't go for it on fourth and one, and they kicked the field goal and just. It, it, it wore us down and it, it limited our possessions that we could get on offense because they would just get it and have seven plus play drives. Every time they got the ball, we just couldn't get them off the field. So, you know, it, it's a bummer. They, 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 I thought Gallimore, um, Osa, uh, Watkins, Tank, Randy, and then with Parsons, uh, being and curse up in the linebacker area, I thought they were going to be able to do a solid job of at least getting the 49ers to third downs that were uh, going to be tougher to 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 pull off to convert. But it wasn't. They just they they put it on us. You know, Mike, a common theme this year has been you know questionable calls by the refs, especially in a loss. But when you look at yesterday's game, do, do you feel that the refs called a fair game? I, if if you like forced me, which side got the worst of the bad referee? Dallas got the worst because there was some Trent Williams things that they should have called, and and you know there, there's questionable holds, and then of course Dallas never gets a holding call, you know. But I don't think the refs had to do with the game being lost by Dallas. Dallas got beat, you know. They they just got outperformed. They got out executed. They got bullied, just like everybody said they were, and uh, and I'm not putting that on the referee. So if you if you're asking, did 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 the, you know the refs kind of favor the away team, and that sucks, yes. But did it call? Is it the reason they lost? No. Even if it was a straight up 
50-50, you know, I, I don't think they could have won that game. They were lucky they were close in that game. You know, Mike, I look at it that San Francisco had nine penalties and Dallas had 14. Uh, you know, of course, the refs are always going to miss some calls, but I thought the refs did a good job of calling a fair game. Although it did look like they were keeping their eyes out for things Dallas might do that that doesn't usually get called. Yeah, it's it's typical. Dallas, what the main complaint I have about the refs is they call holds, and it's not that they're not holds. It's that they call them when we complete a third and eight first down. And then on the other end, tanking Gregory and Parsons are all, all the time. I mean, you can call a hold almost every play with, with three guys like that that are that good, let alone a Neville Gallimore inside, you know, mm-hmm. or Osa. And we never get that. Like, uh, it was like, I think we got two of those in this game. And it was like, oh, all right, we got a hold call, you know. So I would like them. I don't even care about what they call on us. I would just like them to call our guys getting held consistently. And then I'd be happy with the reps. Yeah, I agree with you there. I said, you know, what what about this game surprised you the most? I would say how well the San Francisco 49ers covered our wide receivers. That, that, whether it was Dak missing them, they're open, Kellen having a bad scheme against them, the O-line not giving enough time. Uh, it even seemed on plays where Dak got the sack, where it wasn't an O-line problem, but Dak was holding the ball too long. Yeah. He was holding the ball because he didn't see anybody open, and I did not expect that. With Amari Cooper, Lamb, Wilson, Jarwin, uh, Schultz, like, I expected us to be able to pass on them pretty well, and they they shut it down, you know. So mine would be the San Francisco pass defense would be why what, what surprised me the most. For me, Mike, it's, you know, how about our offensive line played with five sacks and 14 quarterback hits? That's, that's unacceptable. And, you know, when you look at San Francisco, how many they were rushing, it was they were only rushing three or four most of the time, and it still seemed like Dak didn't was feeling the pressure on every play. 22 pressures in that game. 22. That's astonishing. 22 pressures is crazy. And the thing about it is they did get there a lot with four pressures. But the other thing they did is almost every single time they blitzed, they got there. Every time. So it was just, it was a brutal performance by the offensive line. Across the board, there there was a thing. I'll show you right now. I keep stuff like this. I'm on my phone too much of the pod, but, uh, <laughs> but let me find this tweet right here. Listen to this. Tyron Smith, six pressures, four hurries, one hit, one sack, two penalties. Uh, Connor Williams, two pressures, one hurry, one sack, two penalties. Biotish had one pressure and one sack. Zach Martin, four pressures, two hurries, one hit, one sack. That's our all pro Zach Martin. And then Lel Collins had three pressures, three hurries, two penalties. Like, that's abysmal all the way up across the board. Like, they got beat at all five spots, and and they were terrible. Yeah, I mean, when you, you know, hearing Tyron giving up numbers like that, that is that is shocking. Tyron and, and Zach Martin, numbers-wise, were the two worst, numbers-wise. Obviously, Connor Williams and Lyle easily had their issues, and Biotis, by far needs needs to hope he has the job next year. I, I hope he gets an off season to build up his strength and stuff. But you know, it's it's like we're going to talk about later on. Did Biotis do enough to where if they went and got a center in the first round, late first round, 
uh, uh, or second round, what that would I be like, what you're not? Well, no, he didn't do enough to where you can defend him, you know, keeping the job. If they have a chance to get a guy who falls to him and you're like, you got to get this guy. He's clearly better. You know, I, I fine with them not getting one with, with Biotish getting an off season. I think he'll be fine, but he has, he didn't do enough for me to like rigorously defend him. If Cowboys want to upgrade. Yeah, I'm not sure. I said Martin, who on this offensive line is really guaranteed a spot next year. And I hate to say that about Tyron, you know, because of his performance over the years. But I, th- I think his his days as an elite left tackle are, are behind him. Can I can I say what if I told you Steele has Steele earned a shot at starting on this offensive line? I think he's earned the opportunity to to compete for a starting job. How about that? Fair. That's very. I, can't, I, can't, I don't see him beating Lyell. Do you? I I definitely think he competes. My question with Lyell is, can you in the off season now move him to left guard, where you need some power? Can he do it? One, we've seen him at left guard. He wasn't as good at left guard as he was at right tackle at his best at right tackle before his injury. Uh, would it be better to just say no, no? Lyell needs the off season to work. You did have a whole year off. You know, and then he was suspended. Like, let's get him in the offseason and see how he comes out. That totally makes sense to me. But if they were to say, hey, Steele's cheap and he's a solid right tackle, we need to see what Lyle Collins could do at left guard. Could he beef up that interior, which is what we really need? A Ron mm-hmm. Leary type that can move some guys around uh, would make sense to me in the offseason. I wouldn't have done it midseason, you know, but – in the offseason, a move like that, see if uh, Lyle Collins could do it. I would try it. Yeah, I kind of like to see what what maybe Connor McGovern could do at, at left guard with an offseason to to work at it. He's de- he's definitely going to compete because he's he's shown enough in games to show that he's good. But in the starts that he had at left guard, he is very very poor. So you know the the coaching staff has to figure that out and see how they can if they can fix that. Yeah, and, you know, just, again, for conversation's sake, but when you look at the games he started, I was New Orleans, Oakland, or Las Vegas, rather, and and Kansas City. I mean, two, three very physical defensive lines to go up against learning a new position, man. That's that's never easy. Yeah, that's brutal. And that's that, it's exactly why I told people, like, I wasn't going to uh, – I wasn't going to move Lyle Collins into left guard during the season, even though Steele was playing solid. Mm-hmm. I was going to leave Lyle Collins out there because it's it's just too much to ask somebody who's had a year off and then got suspended and is trying to work his way into right tackle. Oh, we're going to throw you in this totally different position that you haven't played since you were a rookie. Nah, that's too much to ask. That's an off-season move. I think we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, Mike, but what about – Asking Martin, if let's say Tyron retires, we asked we asked Martin to play left tackle. We put McGovern at right guard with uh, Collins at staying at right tackle, and then we ask Steele to to be left guard with ne- playing next to Martin, who he's comfortable with. I think I'd rather allow Collins because Steele's played well enough at right tackle, but has never played guard. We have seen Lyle Collins play guard. Now he wasn't as good as he was at right tackle, but it was his rookie year. So could he go back in there and do it? We'll have to see. I mean, it's nobody can nobody can sit there and go, he can't do it. 
Like yeah. we don't, you, you got to give him a shot at it. You know what I mean? We, we found out McGovern couldn't play left guard for that year against the opponents he was against. Uh, but you know, I say you, you got to keep things open because the biggest thing we need to do other than figuring out Dak up here, like what happened between post cast strain, uh, and pre calf strain, why he was so great before and, and, uh, not up to par after, is that O-line. The O-line has to be fixed. And um, I still wouldn't pick anyone over Michael Parsons. That guy was by far the best player in the draft. He was an all-pro his first year. He is clearly the number one pick of that draft, a, a home run. But now that you've seen what happened to the offensive line through the end of the year, it's, mm-hmm. it's time to make changes. Yeah, and, you know, maybe moving – trying to move three guys around on the offensive line, that might be just a little bit too much shuffling. Yeah, I agree. Might be. So, you know, Dak was definitely disappointing in the second half of the season. When you look at this game, though, what disappointed you the most? The, the For me, maybe a lot of people expected this. I didn't. I thought they were going to be better. <clears throat> and maybe this is why I've been so down on the defense. Although the offense, as I've said a million times on Twitter, the offense a hundred times worse was the reason they lost. But the Cowboys' run defense really disappointed me. I mean, boy, did you nail Debo Samuel as a running back being the issue because they pretty much – he didn't do really anything as a receiver. But as a running back, 10 carries, 72 yards and a touchdown, seven yards a carry, over seven yards a carry. They give up 169 total yards. The run game totally dictated the first half. The Mm -hmm. offense was bad, but – they had four possessions, I believe it was, in the first half. Like, it was – the Niners just moved the ball as much as they wanted. They had a 12-play, eight-minute drive that Kyle Shanahan, for some reason, stopped for a field goal, which blew my mind. They could have easily just ran for a first down. And if you don't, you went from 10-point lead to a 13-point lead. Like, two two touchdowns, you lose either way. So, I didn't understand the conservativeness behind Kyle Shanahan, the way they were whooping our butt. But uh, yeah, that that run defense was was my most disappointing. I, I I didn't expect them to be that bad. Yeah, Mike. For me, it's just Randy Gregory's penalties, and I don't know why that really has stuck out to me. But it just seemed like every time he got a penalty, it was at the worst possible time. It was you know we had just stopped him on third down. We made a good play on third down, kind of getting some momentum on our side. That the defense making a play when we really needed them to, and we'd get called for penalty. And it was little things like neutral zone stuff. I mean. I don't know. I just, I guess I expected Randy's kind of gone quiet these last couple of weeks after the season that he was having, you know, and, and to see him that, that kind of performance, you know, not with the penalties and not really doing much to have an impact on the game was, was disappointing for me. Yeah. That I, I think you could put penalties. Yeah. Uh, getting just Randy Greg Neville Gallimore had that hands to the face, which is just like, man, right there. It's like, you, you're just giving him a first down on third and long, you know, and, and, you got to stop. That was bad. Uh, uh, they had the the ones where they were third and four and had back to back false starts to go to third and fourteen. Like, just this it's it's been the team all year. And yes, the refs have been bad. The refs definitely have leaned uh, against Dallas this whole year. But Dallas has like, what do you want them to do on that Neville Gallimore play? just not throw the flag because we need to get the ball back. Like really hands to the face them, you know, the, almost knocked his helmet off. Yeah. The false starts. There's nothing you can do. Like 
you could argue like Randy Gregory's hold didn't affect the play, so you don't throw the penalty. But you can't argue that there wasn't a hold. I mean, he grabbed mm-hmm. the guy and tackled him down. So, yeah, penalties overall it were just awful all year and, and really, really reared its ugly head in that game. You know, that's what when I said earlier that it felt like the refs might have been looking for things. It seemed like when he those neutral zone infractions on Gregory, that kind of seemed like that maybe that's what they were keeping their eye on because prior to that game, I don't know how many times Gregory's been called for that this season. I can't remember many, if any. Uh, not that I know of. Bobby Belt's the guy to ask. Bobby would know. When you look at this game, Mike, you know, a lot of people are mad at Dak. A lot of people are mad at Kelly, uh, Ke- Kellen Moore, excuse me. And a lot of people are mad at McCarthy. Of the three, who do you think this game falls on? The truth is it's all of them. If if you look, the undisciplined issues, while it's a player thing, is also a head coach thing. Mm-hmm. If you look at you, you just you just don't get that from certain coaches. And we know I don't need to go down the litany. The great coaches are not allowing you to have penalties like that. They'll pull people. They don't care. They'll they'll make you practice it forever. That you know, it's just so that would be Mike McCarthy. Then uh, the poor game plan. Obviously, Kellamore did mm-hmm. not have a good game plan. Um, it, it just is what it is. And then uh, Dak was bad too. He held the ball too long. Um, he he missed throws. He obviously the bad O line play is in his head, and and people think this is an excuse for Dak because I'm saying the O line is bad. It's not. What I'm saying is the O line is bad. Dak knows it's bad. So even on plays when the O line does well, Dak is playing like, uh oh, I'm worried. You know, am I going to get a rush? Am I going to get a pressure? That's on Dak. That's not on the O line. This is not an excuse for him. He's got to get find a way to get that out of his head because mm-hmm. on plays where the O-line's doing good, you need to be able to stand in, have your mechanics, find the guy, and rip the ball. And, and the consistency in that from the New England game uh, to after the New England game, just it, it, it flipped completely, and, and it's something that they have to figure out. I don't know if the calf strain like got in his head and he was worried about taking hits because of because he's never been injured before and so he had this ankle injury and now a calf strain made him miss a game and so is but whatever it is they got to figure that out because he's got to get out of his own head otherwise we're always going to have trouble you know mike for me this is on kellen moore you know you look at cd lamb he only had five targets to cedric wilson's 10 and that's not any disrespect to said to, to wilson because he's he's had a great season but you know that, that just can't happen uh, Pollard only had six touches the entire game. And, we, you know, we didn't attack the middle of the field and get the ball out of Dak's hands quick enough to, to protect our O-line. It's just, you know, not being able to scheme open receivers like Amari and CeeDee Lamb, that's unacceptable. And and I'll add to that, the, the San Francisco 49ers are not only one of the worst penalized teams and DPI teams, but they're one of the worst against the deep ball. We took one deep shot. It was into double coverage to Cedric Wilson. You have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, hell, Blake Jarwin can be a seam guy. Like, you didn't you didn't scheme up any deep shots. The one that you did was just a toss-up and a double coverage. Uh, they had the other one at the end of the game, but that wasn't – that was a throw-it-up, you know uh, – uh, Prayer shot. Yeah, uh, a breakaway play, you know, that was just like, all right, we got out of there. Let's give him a shot. Cedric Wilson probably should have got brought that in. Um, you know, tough catch, but – adjust earlier and bring that in but 
that was it. Like you, you never got CD lamb, a, a, a go route, like against the Niners cornerbacks. So yeah, I mean, Kellen definitely deserves blame. I'm, I'm not going to try to deflect it from him. I just think the blame, they were all bad. Oh yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Kellen, Mike, do you want him back as an offensive coordinator? Um, no, I don't, I don't think I do is, you know, I just, I, I can't put my finger on it. Cause he, what happened to the guy from the Tampa Bay game? Like they looked in, said, we can't run the ball. We're going to attack this team, how they need to be attacked. And then the very next week in San Diego, we said, they said, oh, okay, you guys are going to let us run. Perfect. We're going to give Tony Pollard these sweet plays. And uh, your linebackers won't be able to catch them. You play that shell. And they did that for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden, they even in the New England game, they switched our game plan at half so that Bill Belichick couldn't, you know, get used to the game plan at halftime and come out with a, a way to stop it. They switched their, their one at halftime, one set at halftime, one set after half. They did that to go against Bill Belichick. And then at some point it was just like second and 10 halfback dive to Z. And it, and, and it just felt, it wasn't right. It wasn't dynamic. It wasn't, I know they ended with the number one uh, offense in yards and scoring, but they beat up on bad teams. And that's a good thing. You need to be able to be up on bad teams. But if you, if you coupled that with beating Arizona, becoming the two seed and then beating the Eagles in the playoffs, and then you lost to whatever in the next round, it wouldn't be so bad. But every time they, I'm, I'm eliminating the Kansas City game because Steele and McGovern starting on the left side versus that defensive line, nothing really you can do. But if you go through the uh, the the game, Denver was a no show. Okay, maybe you can excuse that on the way. Arizona, like what happened? Like look at what the Rams did to them this game. Like clearly Arizona was not a good team anymore. Like they they got bad and they beat you. Like mm-hmm. so. There's just there's something wrong there, and Ellen, Kellen Moore can go, in my opinion. I, I hope he gets a head co- coaching job and does a good job. But as an OC, I'm ready to to find somebody else. Yeah, you know he's uh, this is year number three now, and we've seen spots where he's been really good, and then we've seen spots like this and big moments where he's been really bad. So I agree with you. I think it's time for a change as well. Yeah, and and I know Dak likes him and everything, but. They're, they haven't played well enough in the games that matter to make that matter. Like, you can't have an opinion on it because you're not being successful to the level that of expectation. So you can't complain if they want to make a different move because you didn't give them – you should have took away the opportunity for them to make a move, you know, by, by doing a better job, and, and they didn't. Yeah, you know, I just kind of wonder – you know, we know how bad Jason Gary was as the play caller and everything. Did we maybe um, kind of blow Killing up more to be better than what he is just because he was different than Jason Garrett? Where's the guy from the first two games of the year minimum? Let alone, yeah. let alone the Eagles game was pretty good. The Carolina game against the, te- the team that was a number one defense going into that game, you know. Um, I just don't understand where that guy went like what happened did they did they just get so afraid of the o-line did Dak have an injury we didn't know about like what what happened it, it's give me tampa bay kellen moore to stay but he just 
there's too many bad games for me to believe that that that's him anymore. It's weird just because when you look at the San Francisco game from last year, I know that both teams were dealing with a lot of injuries, but it was like Kellen Moore was just letting, you know, willing to try anything to win that game. But then when he had all the right pieces this year, he just played super conservative. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was. They just in 2019 uh, and then 2020 before the injury, they were bombs away offense like they were taking shots all the time with these guys. And they just stopped doing it. And it wasn't just Gallup. Gallup was the deep guy. But Cooper got, look at the Philly games where Cooper was double moving guys and stuff. And <clears throat> I don't know. They just, they 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 stopped trying to stretch the field and it, it killed them. I don't know what happened. And well, you know, talking about making changes, Mike, do you want McCarthy back as the head coach? I'm indifferent on McCarthy. And what I mean is, do I think he did an all right job? I do. I, I think he wasn't that bad. Um, did he do enough to where I'd fight for him to stay? No. If he got fired, you wouldn't see me going, what a mistake. Like, no, nah, he didn't do enough to make that difference. I do. I like his offseason work. I think a lot of players improved. I think he did a good job with rookies. And that might be the staff he hired around him, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I, I, the timeouts thing don't do it for me. It's, we talked about it on the pod before a lot of great coaches. Andy Reed is horrible at clock management. It's not a big deal for me, but uh, you know, I, I'm not going to fight for him. I'm not going to fire him, but I'm not going to fight for him either. If they move on, you know, let me ask you, I know you're going to talk about McCarthy, but adding on to talking about McCarthy, once you answer that, uh, how would you feel about if they moved on from McCarthy and moved Kellen Moore up? Ooh, Kellen Moore as head coach? Yeah. I haven't seen enough as a coordinator for him to, to justify giving him a promotion personally. Have you? No, I haven't. I it would feel like Jason Garrett all over again, and that terrifies me. And plus, I'm not sure – Maybe one or two years, I could see like a, almost like a Wade Phillips type of thing where offense looks really good. Maybe we underachieve in the playoffs and then maybe like a divided locker room or something year three. But I know that Jason Garrett kind of caused that was in the middle of that and was the reason for that. But I'm, I'm not sure. He seems like a likable guy, but I don't know how respectable he is. All right. What if they moved up Dan Quinn to head coach? Oh, yeah. All day. Does it worry you that? He wouldn't be a defense like he's an elite defensive coordinator. Is he a great head coach? I think after after seeing after you know being fired and having the experience and everything, he's probably learned a lot after being fired. You know, and losing the Super Bowl. So I I, I think he would hire the right guy to run his defense the way that he has. And I you know him being a players coordinator like the guys love him. I'd be really comfortable with that. What about the other question about, I don't know if I want Dan Quinn as a head coach. I don't want him off the team, Yeah, but I, I, I feel like he's one of those. That's a great coordinator and a great guy, but is he a great head coach? I I don't know. He, he went to a Super Bowl with Atlanta, you know, they had Kyle Shanahan too. So, I don't know. He, he hired a good coordinator uh, for his offense then. 
I don't know. I, it's another one I'm indifferent. I feel the same as McCarthy. You know, Dan Quinn would have to show me as a head coach that he could be better than Mike McCarthy, you know. Uh, what about you with McCarthy? Keeping him, letting him go, bringing him back? All right, so, you know, we, we know 2020 last year, he had us all the way into a playoff race all the way to the last week of the season. This year we went 12. I know the penalties were an issue. Uh, you know, you, we've talked enough about the clock management. I'd like to give him one more year. But after next year, we go to the playoffs, we don't win a game. And it's time for him to go. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to defend him or fight for him if he gets fired. But I have a feeling they're going to bring him back, and I'm okay with them bringing him back. So, Mikey, now I, I asked this question because of a tweet that I saw from you. But I'm going to ask the question, though. Did Dak's performance change your perception of him at all? I would say yes. Now, it doesn't mean that he's not a good QB. I just need to know what changed from the first up to the Patriots game to after he came back from the calf strain. I got to get in here and go, what happened? Because if y'all remember, I called him after the Patriots game. I said he's the best quarterback playing football at that moment. Not that he was the best quarterback, but at that moment, there was not a quarterback playing better than him in the whole NFL. And uh, and what happened? Like, you know, he's battling for in that top 10 range. If you if you make an argument now, you know, you can make an argument anywhere for him like 5 to 12, really. Where at a time, he was like, oh, this guy's killing. He's top three easy in this season. So... It it had to, it was an accumulation. I don't know if it was that game, but it was an accumulation of the end of the year. And then the um the press conference where you know he made I know people said it was a joke, so it wasn't but I, I just I'm not you don't want fans throwing stuff and you don't ever want to say that. And uh he did take accountability, but they kind of put too much on the refs from the Washington or from the uh Arizona game on, you know, the Arizona game it was all about the refs. The refs were really bad. This game, the refs weren't great, but they weren't the reason you lost. So, you know, the comments about the refs with a guy with his kind of intangibles and his leadership, I expect better. So those two things, uh, uh, you know, it changed my perception a little bit. I, I didn't expect that. Yeah, I was surprised by those comments as well. Maybe he's just trying to make light of a situation knowing – that you just lost the playoff game and everything kind of just trying to, again, you know, make, make light and, you know, try to, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's, he's never said things like that in the past. Like, you know, he's always taking accountability. So it doesn't really, that comment doesn't change my perception of him. And this game didn't either. I still think he's a capable Super Bowl winning quarterback. I still think he's a franchise quarterback. I just think, man, after, you know, the offensive line, the penalties and, and the scheme and everything, the game plan, it's just a little too much for even a top five quarterback to, to overcome. I think that Dak is a Super Bowl uh, winning quarterback. I just think that he's not at the level that he can win it. Just like Mahomes can win games that you're like, dude, Mahomes Rodgers can win games that you're like, how the hell they do that with, with, everything going on i don't think he's that tier and i did earlier in this year because he was just so good right now i think he's second tier where yes he can win a super bowl but you need to fix that o-line you know his wide receivers need to not drop balls the defense needs to be playing well 
and he can go out and win you the game, not manage. He can win you the game with his arm and with how he plays. That That is, but I don't, I, it did change from me thinking he's up there with the best of the best of Aaron Rodgers and, and Mahomes. And it's not about this game. It's an accumulation towards the, for the last half of the season. But this game was like the, the teetering point. Like, okay, I'm on this line. You know, now is he going to do what he's got to do to beat these 49ers and, and, and make the move? And he had his chances and he just didn't pull off. And I didn't think he played very well. You know, he, he just didn't have a good well, game. He didn't play well. And it's not a pie thing, guys, because the offensive line, offensive line was even worse. I get it. The offensive line is bad. 22 pressures is ridiculous. Kellen Moore was bad. I'm not making a pie saying, oh, Dak gets the most bad blame. I'm just saying he was bad. Like he played a bad game. He was not playing good quarterback. It's the same I said about the Cowboys defense. Like I don't think they played a very good game. I think they would tell you we gave up 170 rushing yards and we gave up points on the first four drives and we couldn't stop them on third and nine and 10 a few times early. And it set the tone of the game and it allowed Niners to play their game plan the whole game. It doesn't mean that other things weren't worse. I'm just pointing out that he there was a lot of things bad. Dak was one of them. So, you know, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that, Mike, just because a couple of weeks ago I asked if Dak had shown you enough to make you think that he could win a playoff game by himself. And you said, well, what quarterback can do that? And then, you know, I know what you're – I understand what you're saying, but I guess I'm just surprised that you – you, you think differently after watching this game, but I know it's a culmination of things, but I think it's only been one or two weeks. I said that no, I said no, because I said no quarterback can do that. And I still believe that if you look last year, you take away Patrick Mahomes offensive line, he got annihilated, you know, exactly. Yeah. And that's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, same with, uh, with Rogers, you know, he, but those two guys can do more to impact the game regardless of what's going on around them than Dak. I believe that now Dak is the next level down. He's still great. I still think they can win a Super Bowl with them if they improve this offensive line uh, and maybe scheme it up a little better. But I do see the, a bigger separation between Rogers and Mahomes and Dak. Now. One thing about Dak, I I feel like, uh, you know, my father-in-law, he actually pointed out, he was saying that, you know, maybe he's trying to to do too much, and that's that was the case yesterday. Instead of taking what the defense has been giving him, he was he was kept trying to make the a better play, trying to make, uh, you know, you know, just trying to make a better play instead of taking the, those easier throws like he was doing earlier in the season. Yeah, it's it's a tough call because I, I uh, I don't want to watch the all twenty two of this game. I know eventually I have to, but they just got eliminated. Like I don't want to watch it right now and go through it, but I will eventually here coming up in the next few like i have all off season now to go over it and go okay what you know so i just want to take a break from that and not watch the all 22 and and like really get into it into it yeah yeah not not right the wound's still open you know yeah i hear you you know looking at this cowboys team mike we've got a lot of young pieces but do you think our core is good enough to win uh to build a contender out of i think the defense has a core uh, led by Parsons, Gallimore, Osa, Diggs, and Bossman, mm-hmm. that is young and good and can build up together. And you could you could add additions to that, especially with how great Parsons is. 
I'm not sure about the offense and it's the O-line. I, I yeah. gotta, I gotta learn because Dak has shown that when the O-line's shaky, it impacts him. And so if they can't fix that O-line, that worries me. The quarterback's there. Um, uh, I think the quarterback could be fine. Why the pass catchers are good enough, even if it goes from from Dalton Schultz leaving to Jarwin. I think the pass catchers are good enough. Teams have won with less than that. But I got to see what they do with the O-line because if the O-line's fixed, then the offense will be fine. If it's not, that worries me in the bigger games. You know, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm not as concerned with the O-line just when you have a guy like Martin and, and Lyle Collins. And, of course, you've got a quarterback like Dak and then uh, receivers like Amari and Lamb. I'm feeling pretty confident there. But, yeah, that, that left side of the line is, is very concerning because when you don't have a left tackle, it can, it can really cr- make the rest of your offensive line look bad. Yeah, it's it's a worry. Do you do you think they have a core that could be a contender? I do. Yeah, I mean, because I still I'm still pretty high on Dak, and you know, seeing the way our defense played all season, and even you know, the I know that Shanahan got conservative in the second half, but see, seeing you know them only give up seven points, and you know the way that they kept fighting and everything, I, I feel very confident in the defense as well. That's the biggest difference between the two. I thought both were bad in the first half. I thought the defense came to play with a playoff and and a a winnable defense in the second half, and Dallas's offense did not match that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the offense starts and ends with Dak, and when he's off, man, it can be really tough, especially when Ezekiel Elliott's not running the ball well, or you know, Tony Pollard's not not getting a lot of opportunity either. Yeah, that that Pollard thing's baffling. I don't I don't know what happened there. That was it's crazy. He only got six touches. Yeah, especially when Zeke's playing with a torn PCL. I mean, how does how does that even happen? I don't know. It was maybe they noticed something was wrong with Pollard, and they were only putting him in in spot plays. You know, but maybe that torn fascia bothered him. But I I I don't know. I don't know how you could play. Zeke over Pollard in that game with what they show, what they have shown. So blows my mind, but you know, the maybe money talks and Zeke's got the big contract. So they were letting him play. Gosh, I really hope that's not the case. Well, you know, Mike, I know it's going to be a long off season, but what is the biggest thing you take into this off season off of this game? O-line has to be improved. The O-line moves people in the run game. And if the O-line's solid, Dak plays better. So it, it just means too much. The, the O-line's the key to making the run game better, even if you just have Zeke and Pollard again. If your O-line's mm-hmm. better, those two will be fine. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Dak just plays better when he believes in his O-line. I mean, it's a, it's a, it is a thing now. And so they, their O-line needs to improve. That's the thing I need to see happen. Yeah, for me, Mike, our offensive line needs upgrades at left tackle and left guard. We need a true run stopper on the defensive line. You know, I think Diggs is good, but it's just I'd like to see a little bit more better. But I'd like to see him better in coverage, you know, because those double moves, man, they get him they get him just about every time, it seems. And then Dak, man, you said he needs to be better under pressure, and I, I'd like to see him run more because when – you know, that, that's another way just to, to keep the offense moving, to keep us ahead of the chains is when he's using his legs. So I'm, I'm hoping that he can get out of his head and, you know, feel confident in, 
and uh, his leg and, you know, the, the healing and everything like that. And then also, man, I feel like we need an experienced play caller for the offense, you know, someone who has had success in the playoffs. Uh, you think uh, Mike McCarthy taking over plays does that? Or or is there an example you're looking for maybe? I mean, I, you know, I don't know. It'd be It'd be weird to me if, like, a story came out to where, you know, because I know earlier in the season they said that, McCarthy was just letting Kellen Moore do his own thing. He didn't want to, he wasn't having any influence on it. But in a game like this, you know, towards the end where we the offense was stalling and not looking very good, if McCarthy wasn't helping at all, that would be strange to me. Uh, but to answer your question, I mean, I wouldn't mind him taking over play calling because he's always had good offenses. I know he had Aaron Rodgers, so I don't know how much of that was Rodgers or McCarthy or was it pretty balanced between the both of them. But, I mean, I haven't, I don't know enough of, about his play calling ability to say, I don't want to see it or that I do. What about you? I probably would rather bring somebody in, uh, you know, with, with Aaron Rodgers, he commented how, you know, the play calling was very vanilla for Mike McCarthy. And when you have a top level guy like Rodgers, you know, you get away with that more than if you don't have one of the top, top level QBs. Yeah. So, you know, is there somebody that you would – you'd like to see them, them bring in, Dallas bring in as offensive coordinator? I don't know. I just don't know. I, I There's so many things with 24 free agents, not knowing the offensive line, not knowing Cooper and Zeke's contract. I just – I, I I know they're gonna hot do the OC stuff first, and that makes sense. But from where I'm at now, there's so many question marks that it's hard for me to 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 just go there. Because what if they fire McCarthy and Moore and bring in Eric Bieniemy? Is that a move up? Uh, you know, is Andy Reid the reason Bieniemy is good? Is it another Belichick thing where we're hiring a disciple who's not gonna live up? So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a tough call. I, I'm, I know I'm okay with more leaving, but I'm not sure specifically what I want to do replacement wise. Yeah, because I know they were uh, on on one of five through the fan. They were having this conversation. They said that um, maybe more leaves and they they promote uh, Nussmeyer to OC. I don't. I don't hate it. I would like to see it. You know what exactly, what he can yep. do, but. You know, it's not a splash, which could be good. Could be good to not have to have a splash move. Or, you know, how would you feel about a, what if Doug Peterson came here as a OC? I think Frank Wright was the better OC over Doug Peterson. I think, uh, granted, he had Carson Wentz, who turned out to be really bad. It's funny how many people are like, well, what Dak do better than Hertz or Wentz? And then I'm like, come on, there's levels, guys. Like, no, stop we, that, please. Yeah, we've seen what Dak was in the first, you know, half of the season. Hertz and Wentz aren't going to do that. Now, did Dak fall off? And do we need to find out why? Absolutely. But those two guys aren't even capable of pulling off what he did in the first half. So, you know, comparing bad Dak to bad Dak is about as good as good wins, good hurts throwing hurts is a, a very good runner. He, he does that well, but throwing the ball bad Dak is about what hurts and wins is without the potential of being the great 
one we saw at the beginning of the year. I mean, when you think about Dak's second half regression, you know, he gets injured, his offensive line gets injured, and then, it, you know, it's can we you can't say that Kellen Moore didn't get figured out by defensive coordinators. I mean, that's a lot for a quarterback to try to beat, man. Yeah, if you add up bad O-line, which gets in your head mentally and makes you play bad even when the O-line's not playing bad because it's in your head, an OC that couldn't adjust to the changes that defenses had made to play their scheme, and then uh, just the run game just being horrible for the last half of the year, it is a lot for a QB to overcome, which is why I'm not looking to move on from Dak or anything or calling him like, oh, we'll never win with him or anything like that. I, I don't I don't go all crazy like that. I think Dak can win. But, uh, you know, he's, he's got to figure it up, out up here, regardless of what happens around him. When the O-line is good and the receiver is open, he has to be able to see it and rip it and get it there. And that is his part of it. So he needs mm-hmm. to worry about that. Well, Mike, I know you uh, were writing your article earlier today. You know, what were your views from the sidelines? View from the sideline, one, and this is going to be a shock for a lot of people, especially with uh, my me being the off-ball uh, linebackers don't matter. And maybe it's not an off-ball linebacker that you're getting, but they need another playmaker-type linebacker like Parsons. Obviously, you're not getting an all-pro linebacker rookie again, knock on, you know, well, I wish. But some even if it's in a lower round, you have Cox who can be a cover guy. Micah obviously is do everything. You just need another guy to where they can't isolate and attack. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you they, they you can game plan one guy out. And even though Micah Parsons made a lot of plays and played really well, that you could just do that and, and plays you can if you have another one to go with him, you know, that that would really take this defense to another level. So that was one thing that need. Um the uh, the Lyle Collins going to left guard was another thing. I think they need power up the middle. I think that is their their biggest weakness on this defense is that they can't move people up the middle. So Zach Martin obviously is an all pro. He'll be fine with what he does. I think Biotis with a year in a, in a weight room and an off season to build up and learn will be okay. He's going to be a solid starting center. What they need is a powerhouse left guard. You know, and Lau can move pretty well too. And then move Steele to the right side and and see how that uh, uh, works out. Um, the third is running back might be a day three need. Uh, I it, Tony Pollard's on his last year. Are we even keeping Zeke on that contract? If we are, how next year? Maybe through next year. Like you got to get out of that deal. So line, I'm not saying you use running back top hundred, but it might be good to get a guy if he falls day three, take a risk on him, you know, and, and see if he can develop because I don't know if they're going to want to spend money on Pollard after, you know, Zeke's thing. And I don't know how much longer Zeke you can keep on that contract. So running back uh, being a little day three need is, uh, is the other thing I noticed. Yeah, some Zeke insurance in this draft class would be nice, but I know that the 2023 draft class, especially for running backs, wide receivers, and everything, is supposed to be pretty loaded, so maybe you could find your Zeke replacement in 2023. Could be. Maybe you go through one more year, run it back one more time, and and just try to get all the rookies better and try to be 
more polished and and you know hope to be better versus the run and and hold up better with the offensive line and the quarterback plays better yeah man that's a lot of hope and mike yeah i mean it's it's what you got to do look at how uh tampa went from what were they like seven and five or something and everybody was like yeah they're not and then they, they just happened to hit a stride and got going we got to be able to hit that stride with how talented we are uh but i think it i think it's going to start with the o-line agreed all right mike here we are with one word and today we're going to use one word to describe kellen moore's game plan garrity it was very garrity so that is a <laughs> like that. word that you guys all know what i'm talking about it it just felt like you know what it felt like we're gonna do what we do that's what I felt. And we, we weren't like that for parts yeah. of the year. We were not like that. But this, like, I'll, I'll never understand how you didn't take more deep shots on a obvious ref unit that wanted to call penalties. They called, what was it, 23 total. Uh, we got tied for the most ever in a playoff game. They were five off of it. And they've been bad against deep balls all day. And you never even schemed up any shots for it. Like, you never took any risks like that. Um, so it was very Garrity to me. I, I didn't, I didn't like it. You know, after scoring only seven points in the first half, giving an injured Ezekiel Elliott more touches than the healthy, more explosive Tony Pollard, only giving your first run wide receiver one touch in the first half, one touch, not target, but just touch. Kellen Moore's game plan was abysmal. Yeah. That's pretty much the easy way. If you're using real words, Garrity probably equals abysmal. That's that's <laughs> the equal sign right there. I just made up a word for it. I like the creativity tonight, Mike. Why not? I couldn't come up with one of those big words. I was like, no, no, Garrity is the word. I kept trying to come up with big words, and I was even asking my wife the, the cheat code, the walking dictionary. But I was like, you know, sometimes just the, the simple well-known one, the simple well-known ones, do just do just as good. I agree. Abysmal is a good word. It was not good. All right, Mike. So tonight for top five, you know, shout out to our guy Elton Costin. Uh, Elton's top five was too good for us to discuss without some research. And uh, Mike actually thinks we ranked these previously. I think he's wrong, but we'll see. Out of respect for Elton and his category, we're going to wait. We're going to do the necessary research and rank it then. So instead of Elton's category tonight, Mike and I decided that uh, we would rank our favorite sandwiches, and they can either be homemade or from a restaurant, and it can be a sandwich you had once or once you, one you eat regularly. So Mike, start us off with number five on your list. Listen, before anybody, if you're watching this live on here and you're like, oh, I wanted to talk Cowboys, stay for this top five because I'm going to learn you a few sandwiches. These are all mine. I, oh, okay. I cooked all five my sandwiches so i'll okay, I like this I'll, I'll go through all five of them i i've made all these more than one time too and they're all fantastic so the top one is this one's a little special a little desserty. i i like this one it's so bad for my diabetes but it's oh, the mix of flavor is so good nutella bacon and a banana sandwich and you Ooh. grill it like a grilled cheese but you spread Nutella on the inside. You put cooked bacon in there. You mm -hmm. uh, put banana slices in there. Put it together. 
Grill it on both sides so it's crunchy. Bro, the smoky bacon, the sweet banana, the the chocolatey Nutella, the hazelnut spread, you know. Mm, God, trust. Just try it. Before you dude, I used to grill PB and J's all the time, dude. So good. So incredibly good. Just trust me on this, people. Nutella the bread, little slice of banana, couple slices cooked bacon. Put it on both sides like you're cooking a grilled cheese till it's nice and crunchy. You can thank me later. So, Mike, I've got a cu- couple of honorable mentions I want to shout out before I get to my number five. Uh, one is the grilled PB&J with strawberry jelly. I don't know if you're a grape guy or strawberry jelly or maybe even raspberry. And then it's my Nana's grilled cheese, which was it's wheat bread cooked on a cast iron skillet and using Velveeta cheese as the cheese. And then a tuna and chicken salad, classics for me. And then one uh, that might surprise you is the Chiquin spicy chicken sandwich from Burger King. You know, with the, the chicken sandwich craze. Man, I tried that. And it's I think it's better than Chick-fil-A, Popeye's. One of the best chicken sandwiches I've ever had. I would do honorable mentions, but it's basically a base, like, pulled pork, sloppy joe. So I was like, oh, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. do it. I'm just going to go into my five, my, the ones I make. They're amazing. Try them. You're going to love them. What's your fifth, Paul? Number five. It's going to be the sliced brisket sandwich that I had, that my wife and I had at Jay Lenardi's. It's a uh, food truck in Austin barbecue, like one of the best cities to get barbecue from. And again, it's the uh, sliced brisket at Jay Lenardi's. Sliced brisket and homemade fresh Kool-Aid. It was, it was, an, it was an experience, man. It really was. Is it with barbecue sauce? This one, uh, it had the barbecue sauce on the side, but this is the best brisket I've ever had in my life. Cooked perfectly. I don't, I mean, you could probably cook a brisket every day. I could, I could cook a brisket every day for a year, maybe two years. I don't think I'd ever get a brisket that good. Brisket, bread, dipping sauce, barbecue. That's it. And um, we had onions and pickles on the side. You know, I'd, I'd take a bite and have a bite of onion or pickle, but. The, what really stood out was the brisket. I mean, we didn't even need the bread. We didn't need the sauce. And I, I like a good barbecue sauce, but it's rare that I have barbecued meat and, and don't uh, complement it with the sauce. And this brisket needed nothing, not even a, a onion or a pickle. It's beautiful. I love it. It's beautiful. I'm going to need these details, though, on the sandwiches. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, of course. So number four on my list, Mike, and this is something I eat at least three times a week. And this is the homemade for me, but... Man, I'm going to this classic bacon, egg, and white American cheese on Texas toast. And, of course, I grill the toast and everything after making the eggs. Kind of like, uh, you know, butter both sides of the bread like you would a grilled cheese and put it all together and get it nice and crispy. You, you're no not going to start your morning off. Runny yolk or no runny yolk? So I Sometimes I have the runny yolk, but, man, I'm telling you, these, these eggs are giving me problems every day. Well, if you had the choice, is it with the runny yolk? Oh, if I have the choice, you know, I kind of, I've gotten used to the, uh, the harder yolk, but I, I do prefer the, I do prefer the runny one, but there are times when I bite into it and I didn't realize it was runny and it just gets all over my hands and everything. And I don't, I don't really like that, but yeah, I do like, I do prefer the runny yolk. I love that. Runny really? yolk. I want to take a bite. I want it to go down my hand. I want to go like this, like that. Oh, I want to yeah. rub the sandwich in the oh, yolk yeah. before I bite it. Like. 
runny yolk all day for me on that on those sandwiches. Even if if I'm in a car or something like that, be the only time I'm like, give it to me over medium, you bastards. But yeah. if it's, if I'm at home cooking it, oh, I want that. I want the yolk. The yolk's like the sauce. Give it to me. Right. Well, so do you put a if you're making a bacon sandwich or a breakfast sandwich? Do you put jelly or mayonnaise or anything on yours or a homemade sauce? No, I mean, you can. I'm not against it or anything, but the yolk is really the sauce for me. So I, I might yeah. put mayo. Mayo works in there, um, which is, you know, eggs and oil and them whipped together. So, you know, it's the same type of thing. It's it's the creaminess of it adds to the sandwich. So that's something, yeah, yeah. but you don't have to have it. Toast, bacon, egg, cheese. Perfect. So good, dude. What's number four on your list, Mike? Number four is called the holiday leftovers. And what it Thanksgiving, okay. you take turkey, pile it on, you take your stuffing, you pile it on, you spread just a little bit of mashed potato on the top, right? You put cranberry sauce on there, and then you take a little ladle of gravy and label it mm. on there. Cut it. Yes. And you got to have the right amount of cranberry because you need that that tartness in there to cut through yeah. mashed potatoes and stuffing, you know, and gravy. So you need that tart cranberry sauce. Even if you don't like cranberry sauce, put it in this sandwich because it's a it, it's it's too rich. It's too much without it. You need that cranberry sauce to to give you that to cut through stuff. It's it's so good. What what kind of bread are we using for that? Oh, that is a good question. Let's go with a wheat roll. A wheat. Oh, really? Okay. I, I would. I like to do that. I would like to do that on a wheat slider, or the big wheat roll like this big that you cut in the middle and then fill. But yeah. either what one of those. But I do like. I do like it on wheat bread. I don't know why. It's better on wheat bread for me. In my nana, I was raised eating eating wheat bread. Love it. I love it. Those wheat, those wheat rolls. Oh, mm. dude, wheat rolls are so clutch. And you, the wheat rolls are so good with mashed potatoes too. Like you don't just want to put mashed potatoes in there, but they, they, they work. Like the the mashed potatoes in that sandwich. That's the one part that you don't have to have the mashed potatoes if you don't want. But with the wheat roll and everything, the mashed potato works, dude. It's so good. I used to love. I worked at this place that specialized in yeast rolls. Yeast roll. Butter and honey, my God, bro. All day. Mm. I love it. This is a good topic. What's number three on your list? Number three is a steak sandwich. It has Ooh, mozzarella, okay. yeah, roasted red peppers, and a balsamic glaze. So you cook your steak to whatever you want to do, depending on your cut. Sometimes you have to go up to medium so it's not so chewy. But depending on your cut of steak, cook it to the right doneness. Cut it across the grain. Otherwise, it's going to be chewy. Put it on. Top it with fresh mozzarella that's cold in this sandwich. Cold. Roasted red peppers that are also cold. And then take a balsamic glaze that's warm and put it over the top of it. And balsamic's like a vinegar that's a little sweet. Mm -hmm. So you get the sweetness of roasted red peppers. You get the, the, the creamy like bite of the mozzarella cheese. Obviously, the seasoning on the steak matters. I like mine a little spicy. So yeah. you get spice and salt from that. And then that sweet vinegar from the balsamic. It's just like 
Oh, it hits all five, and it's so good. Oh, you guys got another one you guys got to try. Sounds delicious. Number three, Mike, is I'm going with the Philly cheesesteak. Easy call. It's, it and, would be, you know, there, I, sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say it, it might be a sin. I've never had one with cheese whiz, only the white American, but I'd like to have one with cheese whiz. It's, it's, if I wasn't doing a list of ones I made, yeah. Philly cheesesteak would probably be over the steak uh, or right in there, like third, right where the steak sandwich is. Cause they're, it's basically a take on that. Like it has roasted red peppers, it has cheese, it has steak. Yeah. It's just my version of it. Uh, and uh, you're not going to get me to complain about a, a Philly cheesesteak. They're incredible. I haven't tried one with Cheese Whiz either. When you told me about that back when we were talking to the Philly guys last season or before the season, whatever it was, I was like, Cheese Whiz? And you were like, yeah, it's a thing. I was like, it's crazy. Apparently, that's the traditional way. And now, I mean, there are people who put ketchup on a Philly cheesesteak in Philly, and that sounds disgusting, dude. Ugh. You know what? I want to say I have tried one with Cheese Whiz. Had I tried one with Cheese Whiz? I don't remember you saying you have. I remember you talking about making a Philly cheesesteak pizza. But I don't think you ever talked about having a, a traditional Philly cheesesteak. Okay. just so You, you know, don't strike me as a Cheese Whiz guy. This can mess up your memory sometimes. <laughs> 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 I was like, did I? Did I do that? Maybe I did. Maybe That's I where you get all the inspiration for those sandwiches, right? Yeah, I cook a lot, man. I, I could have had one with Cheese Whiz, but I don't – I don't. maybe I did one after the episode to try it, but I don't I don't know, guys. Sorry, I didn't mean to get us off track. I started to get like, have I tried that? No, you know, a Philly cheesesteak pizza, but with Cheese Whiz as the sauce base, I think that might be pretty good. Yeah, you'd have to – I mean, you, you'd have to do something to lighten up, like maybe put Cheese Whiz in a bechamel. So that mm. the sauce is like a sauce you put on a pizza. But yeah, I think that could work. Do a bechamel and then add the cheese whiz as the cheese. Mix it in and uh, loosen it up and then use that. with The, the Philly cheesesteak pizza was so good. My Instagram is at CD Piglet. You can go back and that's on there. I'm almost positive. You can go through and find that, guys. I'm never on that, but I, I post stuff. I've been posting my reset stuff lately. But I, it's almost all food in Disneyland. So if you're there for cowboy stuff, you're hurting. You ain't going to get any. Just stay on Twitter. And Mike with the plug. So, uh, Mike, number two on my list. I know you've had this at least once. Man, I have to go with the banh mi, the Vietnamese sandwich. Now, I will say this, though, but the the baguette, man, it has to be soft. You know, I, I wanted to be able to hold all the ingredients, but when, when, the, bread, when the bread's too hard, it, it's – takes away a lot of it it kind of that, it really actually ruins it i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, all right well we're doing this right now my second sandwich we're on two right for me yeah is my chicken bon me it's i make one the one difference that i make is i put apple like you know you do the cilantro you do the the um the herbs Cucumber. in there yeah. but i like to do it as a slaw so i do an apple kale carrot slaw that I put in the banh mi. It has a lot of cilantro. It has jalapeno for this, but just like you would get in the banh mi. But then I take sriracha and almond butter and put it oh. in mayo yeah. and, and put that on. So it's like a, a little extra heat and a little, the almond butter makes the mayo a little creamier and stand out more because 
I have mine on a crunchy roll. Now, not too much. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to bite through it. Exactly. But I like I like to have a little bit of texture in there, and uh, the 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 slaw isn't enough texture for me. So I I use chicken and then I use the hard roll. So we're both we both have chicken bon me. I just have little tweaks to mine that I do, and then we change the roll. You like the soft roll? I like the the medium. I'll say mine's the medium roll. I can't do like the the you got to if I have to tear it. Then yeah. no, because it's not, I can't get a full bite. And then the bread's like, you're like just biting bread. But the right texture of bread, I can I can do, I want that on my bottom When When I touch the bread or like tap the bread on something, I don't want to hear this, you know? True. That, I don't, that I, I don't want to hear that, dude. Um, but, you know, and depending on the meat that you get, like I like that you add a, a mayonnaise-based sauce. Because sometimes if you get like a pork, it can be kind of dry or brisket. Or, you know, I, I usually get mine with like a lemongrass chicken. So it's saucy. Ooh, and, the, you know, that, that makes a big difference. But, yeah, if you don't get uh, some sort of sauce on there, man, it, it can be really dry. So you have to add a lot of hoisin. And that really just kind of masks everything. Yeah. I Also, another thing I do for a lot of these, the steak sandwich and the uh, – do I do it for the holiday – the steak sandwich, the holiday, and the bon mi. Take your bun, put it out, and gently rip the middle of the bread out to leave yeah. a little hole on both sides. And it it not only holds the sandwich better, but the the you know when you bite into it, you don't have to chew so much bread. So gently, so you don't rip through the bread, but gently rip your a little bit, a little hollow into the middle of your bread before you fill the sandwich makes a big difference. I'm, that's cool that you made your own bon mis. I'm surprised that you had that on your list. My friend, if you ask my little brother's best friend, which makes him like my little brother, basically, uh, Kevin Fowler's favorite thing that I've ever made. And every birthday I tell him, what do you want? And I'll make him whatever. His favorite thing I ever made was that chicken bon mi sandwich. He asked me about it. Oh, are you going to make it? If you ever make it, you better tell me and I'll come over. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know why I should make it more, but like I don't use almond butter on a lot of stuff. So having to buy it just for the sandwich, you know, mm-hmm. it, it makes it cost effectively bad. And then people yeah. want to eat like three of them, you know? So it's like you have to buy the bread because you have to buy good bread. And then you have to buy enough of the the work it takes to do the salad because you have to cut, you have to mash the kale because kale You'll eat it for an hour if you don't really massage it for a long time. Cutting apples into matchsticks. Like, it's a labor of love for that sandwich. So I don't like to do it often, but I know that's his favorite. Like, he he loves that sandwich. Yeah, it sounds delicious. So do you do a, uh, excuse me, do you do like a lemongrass chicken? No, the chicken that I do is... um man, I got to remember the marinade on it. You know, I, I have to go back on my Instagram. It's, it's been since 2019 that I made it because 2020, mm-hmm. you know, nobody was coming over and stuff like that. Uh, it's a marinated chicken, but it's marinated in, in, um, I want to say Thai flavors for the sandwich because it goes well with the slaw and stuff but i gotta go back through and look what it was i apologize i I literally have it written in my own like cookbook that i keep of like recipes that are like i gotta keep these 
every one of these sandwiches are in there too, except for the Nutella banana and baking. Cause you don't need to, that's, you don't need to write that in a cookbook. There's no work to that. It's easy. Right. All right, Michael, here we are at number one. What's number one on your list? Number one, bo- boys and girls. I'm a, if you stuck around for this, for if you, if you stayed and said, sometimes you're like, you know what? I don't, I don't need the top fives. I'm here for the Cowboys, but you stayed this time. Yeah. I'm going to make it worth it for you right here. It's a pork schnitzel sandwich, which what that means is you take a pork loin, pound it out, bread it, and fry it. That's a pork schnitzel. It's a pork schnitzel sandwich with sautéed broccoli rob and sh- and uh, grated Parmesan cheese. So mm. you, uh, it's so good. So you you have to really season the schnitzel well with salt and pepper. You know, get it real crunchy when you fry it. Sautéed broccoli rob is bitter. It adds a bitter flavor. You season it with red chili flake to add heat to that. That goes over the top. And the oil and the heat and the bitterness from the broccoli lob kind of become a sauce. And then when you do Parmesan cheese, you're not doing the little grated, like you're grating it on top of pasta. On a box grater, you put it. And then you top that that broccoli raw and stuff with a handful of that cheese. So it's very, very salty. You know, a full thing, not not like pasta, real handful, a, a a like a third a cup of cheese. Put it on there, put it on the bread, panini it or toast it like you would a grilled cheese so the bread gets crunchy. It it will blow your it's tender, it's salty, it's bitter, it has heat, it's different because I if you do this for a part, ain't nobody had a pork schnitzel with broccoli rob friggin' sandwich at their thing unless you invited me to your party and then i know you got it from me because you stole it from me doing it oh <laughs> no. do this sandwich just just make it once if you if you can't have pork pork's better because of because of the flavor it brings but if you need to you can do chicken breast or chicken thigh if you don't eat pork if you can't find broccoli rob try to get broccoli rob that bitterness is really worth it. Um, I, I just don't think arugula and stuff will hold up to the cooking because you want it warm because the oil and the chili flake all kind of make a sauce for it. And then the cheat, bro, just trust me on this and make that sandwich. I've I've done this sandwich. My little brother has asked for that sandwich every birthday for years because wow. it is it's it's it is a fire pot. It is incredible. Trust me on this. Give it a shot. Pork schnitzel sandwich with sautéed broccoli rob and Parmesan cheese. Yeah, I like how you uh, emphasize on the seasoning of the meat when you're frying it because sometimes people don't season the meat before frying it. Like you just get this big piece of breading with no flavor. Here you go. Eggs, whisk, yeah. salt and pepper, flour, salt and pepper. Any seasonings you want to put like garlic powder, onion powder and stuff, go in the flour. Any seasonings you, and then you do salt and pepper in the breadcrumb, eggs, flour, breadcrumb. But that that piece of meat needs to be seasoned first too. You want to season on all levels. So a little bit of salt and pepper on your meat, a little bit of salt and pepper in the eggs, salt, pepper, and any seasoning in the flour because that's what's going to stick to the uh, to the egg to or uh, you do the flour first. That's what's going to stick to the meat because you go flour and then egg. And then when you go in the breadcrumbs, you just need the salt and pepper to to keep that salt and pepper 
you know, kick going. Then you fry it. Then when it comes out of the fryer, little dash of salt because that's what you do. So you don't want it salty. You don't want to pour on salt at every level. Right. But if you season well at every level, it comes out better than if you over season it at the end. Like if you just wait to the end and pour salt on it after it's fried, you're not no. going to get the depth of flavor throughout the bite. And, and it matters. You will tell the difference. I promise you. It's like when you're cooking mashed potatoes, if you uh, just add some like bouillon seasoning when you're boiling the potatoes, it makes such a difference when you mash it in and add the salt and pepper and the milk and everything. Yep. Agree. You're 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 at worst your potato water the water you boil the potatoes in should taste like the sea. It should be right. very salty because that's your best chance to add salt without affecting uh the graininess of it afterwards. Yes, sir. All right, Mike. Number one on my list. Going with the Reuben sandwich, sir. So good. It could be corned beef, it can be pastrami. Um, I want to say I had more probably corned beef than I have pastrami because I don't think pastrami is really that big of a thing here in, in Texas. And I don't know of uh, a lot of the delis that would either have pastrami I would want to try or that, that even offer pastrami. But, man, I'm going with a Reuben. In Cali, you, you typically get <clears throat> corned beef on your Reuben. But when yeah. I do a Reuben, I do corned beef and pastrami. So it's yeah. nice that you said that because that's what I was going to say. I was going to say add pastrami to your Reuben. Uh, obviously, uh, sauerkraut, the um, oh, that, yeah. that that Russian dressing, Russian dressing. Uh, it, the rye. Do you do it with the rye bread too? Of course, yeah. That'll be the rye bread. You you know what shocks me though? Neither of us got a Cuban in there. Okay, it's funny you say that because I've had Cubans multiple times, and I don't know what it is with the people who build it, but for whatever reason, they always put the mustard and the pickles on the same side. So then it's like sour, sour, then a lot of salt because of the ham. You know, like put the pickles on the other side away from the mustard. So it's like a little bit of tart and then you get the salty and a little bit sweet from the pork. And then you get that pickle finish. I've never yeah. had one that was built properly. Or like, you know, I know some people might add mustard and mayonnaise. And even when they did that, they put the mustard and the mayonnaise on the same side. Bro, I got we got to decide what you're going to have when you come here, when we meet. Or if I go there and I can get the right ingredients to cook it, because if I slow roast you a pork and make a Cuban out of it, bro, you're gonna move. Well, you're gonna want to move to California, <laughs> and it is expensive and a pain in the ass to live here. But the food's gonna be that good. We've had some awesome deals. Like uh, a couple of months ago, my wife she went grocery shopping. She called me or she sent me a text. She's like, "Hey, babe, this is ten bucks. It was a roasted pork shoulder." 10 pounder for $10. I'm like, yes, please get that. You know, so yeah. I don't know what you mean. I'm sure those prices aren't, aren't like that now because meat's gone up like crazy, but uh, there are some of those times you find those, those crazy good deals. Anytime you can find pork at 99 cents or less a pound uh, of the roast, the shoulder roast and stuff, yeah. scoop it, stick it in your fridge, man. Get it at that price. You could do so much. I need to make it crazy right now, dude. Yeah, I know. I just got uh, the specials used to be $1.99 for the 80-20 beef. Now they're $2.77 when they're on special, like the like the big weekends, like this weekend, Martin Luther King, where people are barbecuing and and or at least cooking food indoors and people are getting the meats, you know, about a dollar more than it has been, before, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. 
Well, Mike, I think that sandwich discussion was probably my favorite part. All things He's, considered, sir. <laughs> He's, it totally turned around the sadness of the podcast. I, I, when I looked through my Instagram and I was like, what am I going to have for his top five sandwiches? Like sloppy Joe, Cuban, pulled pork. And I was like, well, what about your, like, you like your sandwiches more than really the basic one. So I had to go through my Instagram and go, okay, can I remember them? And um, I knew that pork one was number one. That was already. But uh, the one I that I saw that I hadn't made for a while was that Bon Me. And it's funny that you had a Bon Me in the same spot. And I saw yeah. that and I was like, oh, my God, I forgot about this Bon Me. And that made me go back looking through. And, you know, you find the holiday sandwich and you find that steak sandwich. And I looked and I was like, man, I remember how good that was. And reading the comment on it, you know, like. It's just, it was fun to go back through that page because I've cooked so much crazy food for such a long time. And I just threw it on there like, all right, I'll just throw it up and, and see if anybody hits anything on it, you know, and going back through is fun. So it, 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 it switched around the, uh, the, I didn't want to talk about <laughs> Cowboys today. So we got through it just to talk about the sandwiches. I was surprised because I would, you know, try to find a way to get a French dip in there. And I was like, a meatloaf sandwich, that's classic. I haven't had one in a couple of years because I haven't had meatloaf in a while. But a meatloaf sandwich, I mean, that's, I feel oh, like everybody loves a meatloaf sandwich. If they hey, like meatloaf. My little brother's going to be so mad I did not put a meatloaf sandwich. Because there's one I make that's, that's, it's meatloaf and it has like Fritos on it. And I got to go Ooh. back and look. Damn, I bet you he's going to go, how did you leave that off of there? I might have, well, I, I might have messed it up. I want I wanted that Nutella bacon and banana on there. And now I'm going to, I'm going to get the repercussions because me not putting uh, at least if not the meat loaf, the meatball, like one of those that I make, like we mm -hmm. literally have meatloaf and meatballs right now. I could walk out and go to my freezer and grab out five packs of each. Cause I make them in big packs and then freeze them. So that if yeah. people eat a meatball sandwich or a meatloaf dinner or whatever, they can just grab it out, microwave it, or stick it in the oven or whatever. But I make them homemade, and the fact that I didn't get those on there, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get yelled at for that by by family. Family's gonna listen to this and be like, "Nah, you missed a couple. You should have switched that holiday sandwich and the Nutella bacon to some some ground beef type sandwiches." Messed it up. What up, y'all? What are you? What are your thoughts on the Monte Cristo sandwich? Love it. It, it would have been, dude. like I said, it would have been a, if I was doing, um, what did you call them? The, the, the ones honorable mentions. Yeah. They would have been pulled pork, sloppy Joe, Cuban, Monte Cristo. It would have been those type of ones that like, I don't really make a Monte Cristo. I did once. I have it on my Instagram at CD Piglet. I have a Monte Cristo in there. But it's just, it's one I'd rather go get than make. I, I don't think it's as fulfilling making it because no. it's a pain in the butt. And, um, you know, I'd rather just go somewhere and get it. I hear you, man. Well, Mike, as always, I enjoyed the discussion. Unfortunately, our season's over, but I'm looking forward to the offseason talking the, uh, the mock drafts now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to be a lot of mock drafts. And we're soon, I'm, I've, I've already put down a text to Paul about this. But I think coming up, we're going to do something about, um, uh, you know, I can't remember what I called it, but it's like a, do we want to keep a person or do we want to let them go? And we'll go through all the guys, the Tanks, the Zeeks, the Coopers, the, 
you know, the bringing back free agents, the contracts we have. We'll, we'll go through all that in the coming weeks, but nobody wants to talk about that right now. It's just, it's, it's still an open wound. I don't want to talk about maybe losing Randy Gregory and curse. Like mm. that's brutal after this year. So let's just let it heal up, watch some playoffs, and then we'll get to it in the coming weeks. Well, Mike, I know you're going to be your, it's going to be hard to avoid any Cowboys talk on Twitter, but let the people know where they can find you there. I don't want you guys to know. Burn and find me on Instagram. We'll talk about food. You get no Cowboys talk. And Instagram is at CD Piglet, which just happens to be the same. So there you go. Guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Excuse me. We appreciate you joining us and we'll see you guys next week.